Hey there, thoughtful listener. Would you like consistent and predictable sales activity with no spam and no ads? I'll teach you step by step how to do this, particularly if you're an agency owner, consultant, coach, or B2B service provider. What I teach has worked for me for more than 15 years and has helped me create more than $10 million in revenue. Just head to upmyinfluence.com and watch my free class on how to create endless high-ticket sales appointments. You can even chat with me live and I'll see and reply to your messages. Also, don't forget, the Thoughtful Entrepreneur is always looking for guests. Go to upmyinfluence.com and click on podcast. We'd love to have you. With us right now, it's Julie Pham. Julie, you are the CEO of Curiosity Based, found on the web at curiositybased.com. And you're also the author of the book, Seven Forms of Respect. And you've got a, a website all set up for that book as well. And that's at formsofrespect.com. Julie, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Josh. Absolutely. So yeah, give us an overview of your impact in the world and what you do today. So I help people practice curiosity in the world, starting in the workplace, because that is where we spend most of our waking hours. We find that a lot of people, there's a big gap between what people say they care about curiosity. Over 80% of leaders say, hey, I value curiosity. And yet uh, only 50% of individual contributors actually feel that they get to practice curiosity at work. Yeah. What does that look like? What What does that mean, curiosity at work? So I think of curiosity as a practice. A lot of people talk about curiosity like a trait, like you either have it or you don't have it. And so one huge indicator of practicing curiosity is the ability to ask questions, feeling safe to ask questions. And so there's actually a study that shows 70% of individual contributors feel that there are barriers to asking questions at work. They don't feel safe asking questions at work. And so think about Josh, what that means. Like, what is that? You know, even asking a question, I don't understand the acronym or why are we doing this? Or can you explain that to me again? There are so many barriers to asking questions and then oh, think yeah. about what happens when we don't feel safe asking questions. Yeah. Well, I don't want to look dumb. I don't want to look incompetent. So I don't want to ask that question in front of my Mm -hmm. manager, my superior, or, you know, my coworkers, my team members, you know, they're going to think I'm a dummy. But meanwhile, Julie, I think a lot of us, you know, uh, you know, there's, we don't get everything. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we all come in with different experiences and sometimes it can be easy, uh, you know, to assume that other people know what we're talking about. So what, um, is, is that accurate that uh, like yeah, everyone? Yeah. Kinda... And there's like, there's, there's, there's not, um, there's also, oh, I'm a, I was supposed to know this. I wasn't listening, revealing that you weren't listening. Sometimes it can also reveal, oh, if I ask a question, they're going to think my team didn't prep me. Um, and sometimes, I mean, this is the most interesting thing as I've been working with clients is people can feel asking questions as passive. Like you should just say an opinion, not ask it as a question. Why are you phrasing it as a question? And so this is, I mean, I think of curiosity as a practice that you can actually encourage. And so I actually liken to that practice to meditation. It looks easy and yet it's really hard. And leaders can actually model this by also admitting when they don't know. We're asking questions and 
and and modeling, hey, this is, I don't know everything. What do you think? I mean, I do this all the time with my team. It's just, they say, Julie, how do we do this? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? And, you know, mm. it's kind of liberating for leaders too, because that means we don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. 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 And and as leaders too, I, I think we have a, a pretty big responsibility for setting the tone and culture within our organization. Uh, what are some common things that leaders can do maybe in meetings or in regular ongoing communications, you know, even on Slack, you know, that sort of thing, where we can let people know, hey, it is okay. Like I'd much rather, listen, I would much rather have someone ask a question than you know, there be miscommunication uh, or, you know, have them spend a bunch of time on something. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't we need or want that. Uh, hmm, that's too bad. <laughs> so, you know what? People do what you do, not what you say. So it's one thing for leaders to say, I encourage curiosity. There's so many people who just, oh, they put curiosity in the vision statement. And yet people at work don't feel that they are uh, that they that they can practice curiosity. So I think some mm. some things that leaders can do is asking, hey, what does that acronym mean? Right. So even if they know, they might ask because they're asking on behalf of other people. Hey, what does um, how did you come to think about that? Uh, and then also saying, hey, I'm going to actually make my comments at the end because I want to hear everyone else. And then actually encouraging people who have the least power in the room, maybe the intern to go first. And so I think another thing that leaders can do is to encourage people to take turns facilitating so that I, as the leader, sometimes, oftentimes the person with the most power in the room is then expected to facilitate that conversation and to actually say, hey, we're going to take turns doing this, or we're going to have the person who uh, maybe has is the most junior to step up into a leadership opportunity, and they're going to facilitate our weekly meetings. Uh, and another one, I another tip I really like to give is to before you start like a regular meeting. This is what I do in my court weekly core team meetings: is everyone goes around and gives a high and a low, and share this is something a personal high and low that happened to me in this previous week, so that you know what mood I'm coming into. And studies have actually shown when people share that, when they share their low, their personal low, then they are much more willing to share when there are blockers in the work. So it doesn't have to all be, oh, this is, this is, these are all the things that are going right. Oh, no, and here's this little blip, but don't worry, it's going to be okay. Actually, if we can share, hey, I've been really sick this week, or I've been caring for my, uh, for my mother, and you hear other people, people hear you saying that, then it actually creates this, uh, this feeling of vulnerability and of sharing, which also leads into work. Yeah. Um, how do you uh, how do you do, how do you work with folks? Are, are Julie? Are you obviously you're an author, um, but you do this professionally. Yes, how, yes, how do you yes. work? So, yeah. So uh, what uh, we call them learning experiences. So we differentiate between training and learning, right? Because training is just one to many, and people can be tested on that knowledge. And learning is about guiding people through this process where they discover their own ahas and then share that with one another. And so even me as the guide, I'm constantly learning too. So. Team uh, team leaders, organizational leaders will will bring me and my team in, and then mm -hmm. we will um, we have different learning uh, modules. So we have organizational culture, uh, goal setting, uh, belonging and inclusion, and communication skills. So those are four areas that we work on. And so then I will I'll talk to uh, leaders. Hey, what what are you dealing with? And sometimes it's like 
oh, communication styles. Mm. We just cannot. And that's because of generational differences. There's just so many, um, or there's where we were working remotely and now we're trying hybrid again. Um, sometimes it's, there's, uh, we don't, we have different ideas of what to, of what to focus on. Um, and so then I kind of try to figure out what is it that they have the most need for. And then I prescribe basically one of those four areas. So for example, organizational culture, that's around our seven forms of respect. I wrote this book, Seven Forms of Respect, A Guide to Transforming Your Communication and Relationships at Work. And then we go in and and we guide teams through determining, well, what are the forms of respect you prioritize here? How do you articulate your culture through the forms of respect. And so Josh, I just got to tell you right now, because there's a big misunderstanding. A lot of people hear the word seven forms of respect and they think seven habits of highly effective people. Sure. Right. They think this is like, oh, these are the seven ways to be respectful. Mm. And for the audience members who know five love languages, it's more like that. <laughs> it's more like, which are the forms of respect do we prioritize? And then there are ones we don't prioritize. And um, and so then I help organizations actually determine what are our behaviors. Because a lot of times people talk about culture, they describe it as we're innovative, we're compassionate, we're respectful. And the thing is, what I've learned in my research is people agree on what respect feels like, feels seen, being seen, heard, acknowledged. What we disagree about is what does it look like? What does it look like? And so that's what I help teams get to, organizations get to. Hey, what, what are the behaviors that we prioritize here because they uphold the work not because big boss likes it mm -hmm. but because they uphold the work so that's how you know people bring me in bring us in for retreats um, for these learning experiences and then also uh, we also offer digital courts for those who are just, you know, I don't want to do the live training. I want to do this. We're a bunch of introverts who like to work on our own and then we'll come together and discuss it. <laughs> and so, and then there's also just, we offer a lot of uh, free resources too, for people to just access our, our content. Yeah. Um, in one area, I see that um, you do work um, in, in and about uh, curiosity-based inclusion too. Um, mm -hmm. How does uh, that fit within maybe someone's internal DEI work that they're doing within their um, workforce, within their culture. So I'm a big advocate of using plain language. So, you know, there are all these like, uh, teach us microaggressions and unconscious bias. And I don't sure. do that. I don't do any of that work because I think that we need to actually be able to speak to each other plainly. So for example, my litmus test is if my refugee parents who have limited English don't understand the words, then you know what? we have to think about the words that we're using, right? Because we need to be able to communicate with one another, not be able to not intellectually bully each other and try to, going back to the people feeling afraid to ask questions. Josh, how many times in a room where, I don't know if you've ever seen this in like DEI training and someone says, why are we doing this again? And if it's like a white guy, then it's like, oh, Bob, Bob doesn't get it, right? <laughs> and so curiosity-based inclusion means it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. We should actually encourage asking questions and people. Oh my gosh! Yes, right. And yeah. and actually, if we don't ask those questions, then people, because you know, when people say, "Oh, Bob just, Bob just got like he asked a question," and everyone else snickered, I better not ask a question. Right. 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 right? And so, curiosity-based inclusion means, hey, 
we are going to encourage asking questions and not just that. We also have to ask questions for ourselves because, you know, I mentioned curiosity as a practice and that practice boils down to three things, self-awareness, relationship building, and clear communication. And I'll say that second one, relationship building, that means not just outward curiosity, like learning about other people. It also means I've got to share myself. So Josh, I'm going to share parts of me with you so you can learn about me and then the way you react and respond. I'm going to learn about me too. And there's reciprocity there. So it's moving away. Sometimes in DEI spaces, I hear people say, it's not my job to educate you. And, and I, I respond with like, we're looking for engagement. We're looking for conversation. And so that's what curiosity-based inclusion is about. Just how do yeah. we spark conversations that are inward and outward curiosity? Can I just say too, I love this example that you brought up about Bob uh, because I don't want Bob to sit there silently and resentful because ultimately, why are we doing this work? It's so hopefully, maybe if Bob doesn't get it, we can we can make some progress there in, in this case, right? Especially if Bob is not enjoying this, like mm-hmm. Bob needs this the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so to encourage and show appreciation to Bob for asking that question, which might be unsettling to hear it. And, and I would imagine, Julie, that sometimes someone's questions might be a little, it, it could be even a difficult question to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, and so the learning also requires discomfort right? Because that's when we're stretching. And a question I like to ask people in terms of practicing curiosity is, so the first one is, do I want others to learn from me? Yeah, I want to hear people. Am I willing to learn from other people? So am I willing to learn why Bob has that question? And that could be hard, right? And because it also requires patience. And, you know, another reason why I describe practicing curiosity or curiosity as a practice is because sometimes I don't want to practice it. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'm the one who feels, I mean, I had a client who, um, who made a request and I had all these assumptions going, I'm like, oh my gosh, you, and it was actually, um, it was, and I was just, I can't believe they said this, 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 this. And I was like feeling all my feelings. Yeah. And then I asked a friend who I said, I'm feeling this about a client. What do you think? And she said, why don't you just ask them what they mean? It's like, oh, of course. First, that's advice I would normally give someone else. And yet I am stuck in my feelings of confusion and disappointment and anger yeah. that it's hard for me to practice curiosity in this in this moment. And I needed someone else to remind me of that. And so my point here, Josh, is even me, there are times where I find it difficult to practice curiosity. So we're all yeah. going to find it difficult. And it's it's actually not about trying to be perfect and always practicing it. It's about trying to um acknowledge that it is challenging and uh, and it's about the journey and and if it's hard for me that means it's hard for other people if i want other people to listen to me i have to listen to them and i also have to listen to myself i have to give myself grace too yeah i love this um so your book is called seven forms of respect a guide to transforming your communication and relationships at work uh g- glowing reviews on both amazon and goodreads uh who should read this book and what would you expect the transformation that would take place in the reader uh, when mm-hmm. they apply what they learn? 
So I think at any level in the organizations, leaders, individual contributors, managers, people who are actually coming to the uh, working in the U.S. for the first time, people who are moving, having really big transitions, maybe from small organization to big organization, those who are undergoing change and the kind of transformation that they will have is, oh, there is there is no prescription of how to do it. It's actually about learning that respect is relative, dynamic, subjective, and contradictory because we as humans are contradictory. And the only thing I can do is to, is to engage, to ask questions, to listen, to share my stories. And so that is, it's for, um, I've, I've, brought this to all different levels in an organization. And there are so many ahas of, oh, the way that I think is different from the way that other people think. And we have different reasons for why. Julie, you have some great resources on your websites, including a couple of assessments and quizzes. I, I'd love to uh, direct folks uh, who, you know, particularly our friend that's been listening to our conversation here, because uh, I think that's a, just such a great next step as well as I'm sure you could have a couple of other yeah. areas, obviously the book and maybe some mm -hmm. other areas that you'd recommend folks connect with you. Uh, but I want to share your websites again. It's curiosity-based dot com uh and then as well forms of respect dot com uh and, and when folks go to either of those websites what would you recommend they do next so if you go to the forms of respect you can get a free quiz you can get the free mini book there is also a free two-week uh, a digital course as well and then oh. you can learn yeah so actually lots of freebies on that <laughs> um and then there's also a, a full digital course that you can do one month access or a lifetime access um, and then you can also contact us if you want us to come in and do live sessions with you. We do wonderful virtual work. People tell us that it feels like we're in person with you. And um, and then on the curiosity base page, there's the resources. Go to that. There's so many different. We do leadership yeah. book lists by different communities. So if you want to have like who are books written by Native Americans, by Black Americans, by LGBTQ, with those with disabilities, we have all of those lists. Um, and so lots of resources there. Okay. This is actually really cool. Uh, I thank you so much for doing so like you have curated. Oh, this is, this oh, is, oh yeah, good. no, each of those uh, lists have over a hundred and yeah. it's because Amazon has their top 100 leadership books of there are only 12 written by people who aren't, mm. uh, white men. And we were like, you know what? I love my white male authors. I love Stephen <laughs> Covey and Adam Grant and Patrick Lencioni. And keep, keep doing more. what you're doing, white guys. You know? It's cool. <laughs> yes, please, please. And that's the thing. It's not. It's not about scarcity. It's about enlarging the pie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. No. So what I'm talking about here, again, just in case I, we kind of glossed over this, uh, is these curated lists of books, um, which I think are really, really great. Um, no, these are really, really helpful. Um, so again, that website, curiositybased.com. And then of course, uh, for the book, you can go to formsofrespect.com. And again, both websites have a lot of great resources. Um, so you can start to uh, enable uh, a little bit more uh, empathy, listening, uh, encouraging good questions and even bad questions. We want all the questions uh, so that at least, uh, again, we can all be kind of working together with uh, eyes a little bit more wide open. So Julie Pham, this has been great. Thank you so much for having, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Josh. 
Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.